Hello, and welcome to episode 43 of the Posecast. Rabbi Shmuel Posner, myself, Seth Holland. Rabbi, how are we doing today? Thank God, I'm great. Baruch Hashem. Adar. You got to get the Adar energy. You got to get into it. You got to get into Adar energy. You know, the Rebbe told us that when Adar enters, you increase in joy, right? So the first thing, increase in joy. But the next, the second day of Adar is Adar, the second day of Adar. So you have to increase in joy. But what you did yesterday, if you do the same thing, it's not increasing. So there's two Adars, so it's like 60 days. At the end of the 60 days, you should be, you know, dancing off the roof carefully and <laughs> really, really living it up. But it is what it well, is. Well, you really, what you need to do is, Erev Rosh Chodesh, have just a really awful day. And that way you can start <laughs> extremely low and then slowly build up. Like when, and then... when you want to jump, you go back a couple of steps. And you run. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, joy is always a good thing. It's a positive thing. It's wonderful. And you told me that you were in Boston. You got yourself the Boston broom cap over there. For those that don't know, that's the Boston broom cap. We don't really care yeah. about them. Seth cares about them. I don't care about them. But that is, it is what it is. Actually, there was a, another student yesterday that was at the game, but I don't think you saw him. Probably did not, no. You know, you know what it is? Yesterday, we had this snow day. It was the non-snow snow day because they had predicted like 8 to 12 inches, the first storm in two years, yada, yada. You know, get your cars off the street. And, and then nothing. Nothing. It rained and it was snowed for about 20 minutes, or maybe less, and that was the end of it. But yeah, I had to get a different flight. I was originally supposed to fly into Boston on Tuesday morning. And then my mom saw the forecast and said, get a flight for Monday night. So I got a flight for Monday night. And then while I was on the way to the airport for the Monday night flight, they canceled the Tuesday morning flight. And then they mm. tried to bump me to a later one. And then, But obviously, we were already on the Monday night. So I just canceled that yes. one. This is what the weather forecasters have to do. They have to start saying... Instead of saying, this is what's going to happen, say, if God wants it, they should learn that. They should learn a little humility. You're not in charge. Hashem's in charge. He allows you to, you know, study nature and make predictions. But don't become the boss. Know your place. Now, talking about nature, I spoke to an alum last week. I'm not going to mention his name. He's a, he's a regular listener of the postcast. I'll give you a hint. He's a kohen. But I'm not going to tell you anything more. So he told me that he was having some very serious medical issues. And Baruch Hashem, I, I guess we can say that they're under control, meaning they're, being, they're treatable and he's, he's getting through it. But he told me, he asked me, he said, you got to tell people to go to, to keep regular doctor's appointments. Now, I'm not a big doctor guy. Let me put it to you this way. I don't like going, to me, a doctor is something you go to when you need, like to fix your shoes. When they're broken, you go to the shoe repair guy. Now they just buy a new pair. But anyway, right? Or you have, if you're a jack at a store and you go to the tailor, you don't go to the doctor if you feel that. <laughs> that was my general thing. So I would never talk about this except for the fact that I did have to go to the doctor a couple of months ago. I don't know if I told you the whole story. Maybe I didn't. Anyway, but it was a Jewish guy, so I was comfortable with him. And and he says to me, when was the last time we went to the doctor? I said, I'm with the doctor right now. He said, no, 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 that doesn't count. you got to come for a whole visit. <laughs> and so like... Right there in the office, he like made an appointment for me. I couldn't like tell him, okay, jump me a gay fife and I don't care. So I'm actually going to the doc. I'm, I'm, I'm scheduled for a doctor's appointment next week in Mir Hashem. 
so I, I feel comfortable talking about making regular doctor's appointments and keeping the, you know, and, and going, you know, getting a checkup every once in a while. I think younger people should get into the, get into the habit of it every year, every two years. Well, you see, when, when you're younger, you have to, because you need to get your form to go to school. You have to get your annual checkup. Very young. And then about middle age, between 25 and 70. Yeah. So <laughs> you, in with your, with your doctor's appointment a couple of months ago and your doctor's appointment next, next week? week will have twice as many, like just like regular physical doctor checkups as I have had in the last, I mean, eight, nine years. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to hock with the young people. Let them do their thing. <laughs> but the older people should take it seriously and go and see the doctor. Now, the Rebbe, it's very interesting because since we, we, Hani and I, have had our house usually has some young children in it, Baruch Hashem, because we were, we were for family planning. We planned to have whatever family Hashem gave us. So that was our plan. So we got to know, like, the doctor for the children, like, knew, you know, it was like one after the other. So the doctor became like a personal family friend, you know, Dr. Borsling, and then uh, Dr. Fines was a wonderful, is a wonderful Jewish woman. She retired from, from the doctorship, but she knew, she knew our kids from their small end. What really got her going was when Mendy, our son at Northeastern, and his wife, Musi, came in with their children. I'm like, oh my golly, you know, she's a <laughs> next generation. So she used to do men when he was a baby. Now he's like two feet taller than her. Um, but anyway, that's what, and the Rebbe would many times give it, when he would have it, people would ask him questions about health, he would say, Ka'atzas reife yedid, according to the advice of a doctor who's a friend. So so that's why Wichani is very specific about who is our doctor, reife yedid, and we are blessed where we are in life that we have. Um, when we came to Boston, there was a, a doctor that was um, doing residency at that time in the Boston Medical Center. It was called something else then, Boston Chillock, whatever, down Mass Ave. And I remember he would come back if he had a call Friday night, which he would try to avoid, but if it happened, he would like walk back home. He was in Brookline and would stop at the Chabad al-Saddam Chakras. And I have a picture of my mom who just like crashed out on the couch in the front room. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's still, uh, uh, you know, we're blessed. He's a wonderful person, him and his wife, and uh, can I know his family? And uh, that's how Rafia did. But in fact, and I, I drop another name, Jack Mulbasadi, who, who people over here recently would know him, he actually ended up, he went to Northeastern and lived like one year, he lived in the, on the sixth floor. Then he went off to Drexel Medical School, came back for residency in Boston and uh, lived in Brighton then. But then in, my, in our HMO, he was a doctor there. So he became my doctor. Mm. It's fantastic. That was during COVID, and and uh, and I, I realized what it means to have a doctor that you did was a friend because, you know, in a time of need, I, I didn't even ask him to come. He showed up and and sort of did what he had to do, you know, do the checkup, whatever. That was fantastic. When we were children, my my, my siblings and I, um, there was a doctor in the Bronx. We lived, we lived in the Bronx for a year, Doctor Mark, and he also we we'd go to him. Even when we lived in Brooklyn, we go there. He was our, our doctor, like an old time doctor. I still remember a nice. I, one time, my father, he should be well, brought the doctor to, to a Fabrenian. 
And I was like, it was, uh, and, and, you know, a real Jewish guy with, you know, he was our doctor. I think on one of our dates, not I think, I know, one of our dates, I think, I don't think, I don't think we were engaged yet. You kind of should get onto this for these type of things. Anyway, <laughs> we, I, brought, I brought that matzah to Dr. Mark, um, and that was like, you know, long drive and the whole thing, and then we went somewhere to hack, hack around. So that's the idea. Everybody, so here's here's the upshot of it. You need to go, to, in last week's parsha, parsha mishpatim, it says if somebody does damage, you have to pay for it, and and also the doctor should heal. You have to pay for the healing. So the Gemara says, from here we see that a doctor, you can go to a doctor to get healing, because and you should get healed. You say, oh, I can't, you don't go to doctors. Doctor, you have to do everything naturally. So I just want to put that out there. Keep your doctor's appointments and have a friend who's a doctor you can you can um, you can get advice from and you know that he has in best mind best uh, your best he has your Interest. best mind. <laughs> so I wanted to I don't know if I should talk about this but I'm going to talk about it. Usually I tell you the things that happen oh it's amazing it's great it's fantastic. But here's a couple of things that I messed up. And and I thought should I tell this is that Connie always says, you know, Friday night when you start talking, everything that happened during the week is your, your personal therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't need it. I can talk. I can talk to you, and everyone wants to hear. Well, listen. You don't want to listen. That's your your issue. But I think it's important because I think um, there's lessons to be learned. So here yeah. goes. So last week, I think it was Wednesday, maybe it was Thursday. Um, one of the guys that comes here, who's originally from Stanford, Connecticut, goes to Berkeley College of Music, was doing a recital. And I made it a practice when I'm invited to go to these recitals, I go, even though I don't recognize the nagunim, quote unquote, that they're playing. <laughs> and I don't really, I, I don't get into the groove of it. I do enjoy watching them because these jazz musicians, they sort of daven with their instrument. You know, they, they bop around. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I like that. And then they, and they smile at each other. It's not these, you know, very straight-laced musicians who blah, 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 blah. No, no emotion. They're like totally loose and, and happy. And um, yes, yeah, so I went. And it wasn't really his recital because he's not a performance major, but I was like 25 people there. And I walked into this little room a little bit late because I got a little confused getting there. And because I'm Jewish. Of course you did. And yeah, he gave me a stick of welcome. Classic rabbi. He gave me a stick of welcome, which was nice. But his younger brother, who goes to um, BU, started going to BU, and his parents were there, and his great uncle and aunt were there. So I was rushing around to get there. And so I, I didn't, so I'll tell you what happened. After the performance, his younger brother says to me, um, you have to fill in? Like, the performance was, was scheduled for four o'clock. Sundown was like five after five. And I was rushing. I said, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna schlep this film there. I'm gonna have to schlep him back. It's not, I said, oh my golly. So I didn't, I did, I, it's, like a, I, it's like a soldier going to war without his gun. So I felt terrible. I felt really, really bad. And I learned the lesson. You always got to bring it to wherever you go. <laughs> and I do this sometimes. I go like, go to, uh, go to a store to go shopping or something. And I put my film in the car and, and put him in the shopping cart. And like, you do that 99 times for no reason. And then one time you don't do it. Boom! You have the reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I, I do have, a, I posted a picture, I, went there, I forget when it was, of putting on film with a guy, an old Russian guy in Costco. 
So every time that happens, it pushes you forward to it another 98 times. Then the 99th time, you don't do it, and that's when Hashem says, you got to do it. You got to be on call constantly. So I felt, but anyway, but I made up with him. He came the next day and he put on tefillin, but lesson learned. Next. So when you put the tefillin in the, in the grocery cart, do you put them in the top thing? The little, like, where the child's supposed to sit? With okay. see, yeah. see, by, by Hilchus, my mother, that's where the produce goes. So <laughs> what you've just established is that tefillin our produce. <laughs> well, they are... <laughs> They're made out of organic material. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, no, but when we say produce, it's like fruit, vegetables, or whatever. I so I used to, I used to, you know, make fun of her because she put her coffee in the in the top thing, and so I said, "What coffee's produce now?" <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I actually do put it. It makes sense to put it there so it doesn't get squished. Make that makes right, sense. Right, right, right. Anyway, okay, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, then Friday, I went to Trader Joe's in Brookline. And as I'm, as I'm coming, you know, you, you, they have like a long line and you stop there and you wait for the next register, but sort of, you know, have like this rope thing. So you don't, you know, to keep line going, but there was nobody in line in front and the rope thing in the, was open, had an opening to get in. So you don't have to go all the way to the back of the line. And there was a woman standing over there because you have stuff along the shelves there when you wait in line. And she was sort of looking at that stuff. So I started cutting in. And then at that moment, she looked up, which, of course, I had the right of way because she was busy still looking, shopping. But I didn't want to, I like, oh, no, no, it's okay. You know, I told you she can go in front of me and I, I, I want to make an issue out of it. It happened that as she became the first person, there was like four people doing cash register and like two of them started doing something else. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, Hashem. <laughs> I didn't say anything to her, obviously. I was a little disappointed. But then she got off and she went into her place and I went to a few minutes later to this next person who had to wait also to get her act together. And so I'm controlling myself and, and obviously internally I'm having this whole issue. Externally I'm calm as a cucumber would be in Trader Joe's. And then I, I uh, oh, of course I bought flowers. I bought flowers. That was last week. When was, when was Hani away? Oh no, it was two weeks ago. Anyway. So I bought, I, I, I bought flowers, I'm mad, I bought flowers. And she looks at the flowers and she says, oh, these are nice flowers. These are really nice. And I looked at her name tag, it was Julia. So I said, ah, oh, could be Jewish. I said, yeah, they're made by the best craftsperson. And she didn't understand what I said, so I said it again. And she says, what do you mean? So I pointed up and she says, oh, and she says Hashem's name, Ado. And I'm like, oh, I like, Oh yeah, <laughs> and what was, what was it's always an uncomfortable one. Always, there's it never feels like the right way to respond. Like there's <laughs> no good way. Like she said Hashem's name, so I get so in Hebrew. Like, right. Okay, what did I not have with me? Anything? Shabbat, no, no business no, cards. No Shabbos candles. Friday. So I, oh. when I came home, I put Shabbos candles into the tefillin bag. So now that's going to go every day. We're going to go there. So the point that reason I'm telling you all this is. Because you never know. We never know when someone and you can pop it out, and boom, a, a, a mitzvah can be done in one second. So you got to always got to keep always be on the lookout for that one more mitzvah that could be done, and um, that's the lesson. Okay. Oh, so today, I was like, I was in the house all day this morning. It was like busy with this stuff, and and, and I, I told you I made it my my practice always go down Commonwealth Avenue every single day, and I went out and it was cold. 
oh, earlier in the week it was like warm on sun on Shabbos like fifty degrees on Sunday like sixty degrees is insane. Now it's like cold for Boston, like thirty degrees, and it's windy. You know the whole whole when you walk on campus, there's one all the buildings make a, a wind tunnel. Anyway, so I'm walking down and I'm like, oh man, why am I? I'm walking down off a minute, and as I'm thinking to myself, I'm wasting my time. I just go back, and I said, no, I shouldn't go back. You got to do what you got to do. You're a soldier. I meet this kid, Max, and he did, ah, where have you been? How's it going? Da-da-da. Okay, we should learn together. Okay, yeah, make sure. So I, we're supposed to learn tomorrow. I'm not sure he's going to call me. He's supposed to. I'm going to send him a message later on. That was great. Then I kept on walking down. I walk into the GSU and my hands, and this guy sticks out his hand, give me Shalom Aleichem. And my hands was freezing, so I'm holding his hands, and he's he's ready to go. I said, "One more second. He said, "What?" <laughs> I'm trying to warm up my hands. <laughs> he literally picked, he laughed, and and I kept on going. He puts he says, "Do you want gloves? I have gloves." And he literally pulls them out of his pocket. That's like amazing. I was so touched. Now, of course, I had my own gloves. I was had my hands in my pockets. I don't want to wear you know whatever. That was a beautiful thing, and then I met. Another girl, da da da. On the way back, I see this kid that came for Shachris the first time. He just started school in, in January. Came for Shachris Shabbos morning. He came on time. You know the people that come on time? Oh, back? on time, too. We're talking about 10 o'clock. Wow. I'm a sugar. He came at 10 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt bad. So I started davening earlier than usual. And, Good. The music lunch was at a reasonable hour. No, 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 no. You want to know the whole story. It ended up that these two other kids also just started and they were supposed to come. Bottom line is, we didn't have a minion. We had to wait for the minion to come. So this guy comes early, Nebach. You know, the regulars that came early, the four or five people, big deal. They, they're, they're used to the gig. So, and it was Rosh Chaydesh, and it was two toes, mm. and Hallel. Right. So, okay. so, yeah, Hallel and. Yeah, so it's, the Tavani Dami was late, plus. And so after, you know, so I'm like, oh, man, this kid's never going to come back. I felt so bad. We should have not waited. All this stuff's going through my head, which is too late. Well, I don't know why I waste brain space on the, on the past. But anyway, so I met him today. I said, hey, how you doing? And I started like, oh, which client? Where are you coming from? This and that. And then um, I said, wow. And he's smiling. And I'm wearing a heavy coat even. I said, you look so happy. He said, yeah, it's been a great week. I said, oh, thank God. And he said, and the best part of the week is when I come Friday night to Chabad. I'm like, yes! <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you, Hashem. Thank you, Hashem. You see, this is, people think like, oh, you know, we're so confident. We're always looking for little signs from Hashem that things are going right. <laughs> you know, that's how they work. It's like, oh, yeah, we're okay. Everything's okay. But yes, yeah, so you always got to, yeah. So then I felt, I said, wow, this is a great walk. I didn't find any, oh, the GSU was packed with, with the, uh, Valentine's an Irish kite, so there was no. I couldn't even hang out there and put on similar people. Just, I didn't feel. I felt Hashem in there because all the flowers they were trying to sell, but mm. uh, it wasn't such a holy place anyway. But it was a good walk, and we got some good feedback from that. So now I want you to put up the picture of the menorah that I sent to you, because I think this is very valuable. And for those of you who are listening, who are like. You know, long-time Chabadniks were saying, oh, this is so boring. I got, we have a little surprise for the end of the, before we close out. So stick around for the grand finale. So I want to show you this because 
This is a picture from the Lakuta Sichas, the book of talks of the Rebbe. And what it is, is it's a it's from a manuscript of the Rambam of Maimonides. Can we leave this up here? If I point my arrow, can people see it? Like now what I'm doing? Uh, I don't believe so. Okay. But if you tell me where to point, I can okay, I, do I'll, my I'll, best here. I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll use, uh... anyway, so this, this is the Rambam made this, made this, um, made this diagram of the menorah. Now, there's two things about it that are unusual. Number one is, if you go up on the branches, you'll see triangles. You want to point to those triangles? There they are, right. And those are called gviyim. Those are, are cups. Okay, that's one of the decorations that goes on the menorah. Now, the Ram himself says that he's not trying to make an actual depiction of what the menorah looks like. He just wants us to give us an idea because in this week's parsha. It talks about the construction of the Mishkan, which is a temporary sanctuary the Jews had in the desert. And it talks about the menorah. And this is very helpful to see exactly what the Torah means when you when it t- describes different decorations that were on the menorah. Okay. It was all made out of one piece of gold. So the first thing it talks about is these cups are upside down. See, the point is going upward and the wider side is going downward. And so the Rebbe says, like, what is going on? Why would you put a cup upside down? Cups should be going right side up. In fact, there is one opinion that those cups were there to catch the overflow of oil. But I, 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 you see clearly this, they're, they're kind of useless this way. And so the Rebbe gives, the, gives a, an explanation, says like this. A cup is what is used for holding liquid in it, right? Or you can pour it out of the cup and give it to someone else. What was the whole idea of the menorah in the Mishkan or in the Beis HaMikdash? So we're told that the windows of the walls of the Beis HaMikdash, the Mishkan had no windows, the Beis HaMikdash made out of stone, they were narrow on the outside and they were wide on the inside. I'm sorry. They were narrow on the inside and wide on the outside. Narrow on the inside, wide on the outside. Now, normally, if you want light to come into the house, you make them narrower on the outside and wider on the inside. So the little bit of light that comes in or the, whatever light comes in then spreads out in the house. If you have na- if, the, if they're narrow inside and get wider as you towards the out of the out of the building means that the light coming from within the building gets spread out uh, outside. and of course the base and then this is what is the what does hashem need a menorah in the base of Midrash? He, he what he, to, he, to, he does need the light to see he says no it's a sign that hashem dwells amongst the jewish people so the idea of the menorah and the light that's in the base of Midrash is to go outward not to contain it inwardly but to spread it outward and so therefore Therefore, the windows are made that way, and therefore, the cups of the menorah are not upward receiving, but they're upside down where it's coming out of it. And it's, it's, it's fascinating that the Rambam would draw them that way. I'm not sure what, I don't think the Rebbe talks about what the Rambam's intention was, or if the Rebbe just understood maybe this is what the Rambam meant. But regardless, the fact that the Rebbe saw this picture and said, aha, this is some. This is a powerful lesson we can learn about when you're taking in, you take in a limited amount. When you're pouring out, it's wide on the bottom. Just pour it all out. Let it go. Let it go. Give as much as you can to others, which is what, a little bit what we talked about before. Always be ready to, to share with others what you have about Yiddishkeit and goodness. That was one thing that he talked about. The second thing is the fact 
that the branches of the menorah are diagonal and they're not rounded. Like most menorahs, you see, are rounded. And this too, the Rebbe said, if you look in Rashi, in Chumash, he says, he, he also makes makes it, infers that they were diagonal because a, a kana is a, sta- a stiff, a stick or a staff. There's no reason it should be rounded. And so there's no source that says that they should be rounded. The only yeah. thing that we always say is, oh, the Arch of Titus. So first of all, we have in Halacha, we have in Jewish tradition what it looks like. Why are we copying what the enemy of the Jews, who wants to embarrass the Jews and belittle the Jews, how he depicts it, who cares? That's ridiculous. It's, yeah, it's exactly the wrong way we should be doing it. And so from now on, and that's why if you see every Chabad menorah, when they do a public menorah lighting, or if they um, design in, on the Aram Kadesh or anything they have in menorah, they always specifically make it with diagonal branches, even though in order that we have for Hanukkah is eight branches, not like the Beis Hamikdash, but still the concept is similar to Beis Hamikdash in, in its depiction that it should be diagonal. Now, I'm going to give a shout out again for the Project Lakutei Sichais, PLS, Project Lakutei Sichais, which you can learn a, a talk of the Rebbe every week. You go to that website and it has um, the, actually in Hebrew, in Yiddish, French, Spanish, and they have people giving the class online. You click into a video and you can listen to the class and you can, or you can just print out because every week they, they have two, two talks of the Rebbe and they translate into English. So you can just, I did that today with somebody, printed out the English version of the talk about this and read it and it was very clear and very easy to understand. So I'm encouraging everybody to do that. And um, just fascinating to get into the mind, the, the mindset of the Rebbe, how he takes something like this, discusses it from a halacha point of view, then brings a lesson out. You never walk away disappointed when you learn a sikha of the Rebbe. So that's what I wanted to share with you. And now we're going to go on to one more thing, and that is that last week was Rosh Chodesh Adar, was Friday, and that is the wedding anniversary of my parents. Mm. special about that is this was the first wedding well it's special because my father's my parents wedding anniversary <laughs> but it's also special because this was the first wedding that the Rebbe officiated after he was Rebbe you know and there's a famous picture of the Rebbe sitting at the table with the chassam my father my grandfather who's right here on the top right is my grandfather my father's father next to him is my uncle Zalman and you skip one person, and you go to the next one, is my uncle Zushi, and there's other people. Now, if you see the green arrow that's pointed to my father, and he's doing the kazatska. Do you know what the kazatska is? It's when you get down on your knees, not, not on your knees, you bend down, like he's bending down, and you, you kick out your, 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 your feet. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, a little Russian type thing. yeah. And my father, when he was a bit younger, would do that every single wedding. <laughs> For many, many years, he just did it on his own, and then we would have to give him a little bit of support. And that was his, his trademark dance at the wedding. And so that's my mother, obviously, a blessed memory sitting there. And uh, there we go. So I wanted to share that. I thought it was just interesting to see. You know, nowadays at a Lubavitch wedding, God forbid you should bring the collar to sit by, you know, over to the men's side. Hey, what are you doing? And it's like, oh yeah, my mom, my parents' wedding. I, I mean, when I was a kid, I read, the, I, I looked through this album a thousand times. I haven't seen it in many, many, many years. 
maybe next time I go visit my father, I'll say, where's the wedding album? I'll remember all those uh, amazing pictures. So that was a little, uh, it's a, something to, again, another celebration. And the Rebbe said that this is the first time he's going anywhere, right? Because the whole year he didn't go anywhere except to the, to the burial place of the previous Rebbe. And now he's coming, the first time he's leaving to go somewhere, he's going to a wedding and that should be a good start for things. At that, at that, at the, my parents' wedding also, the Rebbe insisted that they arrange on the chuppah being outdoors, which uh, my grandfather made sure that happened. So there we go. That's um, that's what we have for today. And uh, wish everybody much joy, especially revealed joy, and we're all our, our minds and our hearts are with the Jews in Eretz Yisrael. If you look online, they put out a, a talk of the Rebbe gem. You could find it. It's called the Rebbe Un- Unplugged, I think, or something. And the Rebbe's talking. I think it's an excerpt. There's a long talk. Even the video that they have is 40 minutes with English. The Rebbe talking about how Israel interacts with its neighbors and peace, peace plans and giving back land and all that kind of stuff, which you, when you listen to it, you say, oh, this is like 50 years ago. And say, oh, my golly. This is absolutely relevant to what's going on today. And of course, being very firm that Jews have to know that Hashem gave us the land of Israel and it belongs to us. And if we show strength, then we'll have peace. When we give something away, we invite more aggression. So we should see an end to all of the suffering for the Jewish people in Israel around the world and for all the people around the world. It should be true month of Simcha. Chaim. Amen. And with that, thank you so much for listening to episode 43 of the Postcaster. I wish Noel Posner. What? You said 33? No, 43. Oh, 43. Okay. I didn't want to hear. Episode 43 of the Postcaster. I wish Noel Posner. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. All the best.